0: What kind of rewards will believers receive at the judgment seat of Jesus? And will they be rewards to be enjoyed eternally? Also, is it improper for Christians to be motivated by the promise of rewards? For the answers to these and other questions regarding our heavenly rewards, stay tuned.
1: Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, A program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus.
0: Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Each year, our ministry sponsors a Bible conference that is held in the Dallas, Texas area in mid July. In 2017 our conference theme was Living with Hope in the End Times. In this program I'm going to share with you a portion of one of the powerful presentations that was made at that conference, one that concerned what the Bible has to say about the rewards that Jesus will hand out when we stand before His Judgment Seat. The presentation was made by Glenn Meredith, the pastor of the Brookhaven Church in McKinney, Texas. Here now is Pastor Meredith.
1: But I've got to be honest with you, uh, from early part of my life, um, I wasn't really excited about the return of Jesus. I, um, I can remember sitting in a revival meeting one time when I was a teenager, and the evangelist actually stood up and he said, now when Jesus comes, he's going to catch away his bride, and we're going to stand there before the judgment seat of Christ, and then your life Will be flashed like a giant movie screen and all the sins that you have ever committed will all be put up there on the screen for all to know and so i got to tell you i wasn't really looking forward to that (laughs) there's an awful lot of believers who think that's what is coming but i have got great news for you today that that is not what the bible teaches and so, if you have your Bible and you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you can do so, or you can look on the screen. I'd like us to begin with a passage that we're all familiar with as we talk today about the promise of rewards. We have an awful lot to look forward to. And the whole gist of the message can be summed up in this. It is that what you do now in your life, what you do for Jesus now is going to have a dramatic impact on your eternity. Now, it's more than just going to heaven, but how you live for Christ, how you serve other people in the name of Christ, how you take the kingdom of Christ and you, you seek to, to uh, move it forward by, uh, move, by sharing the gospel, by funding ministries that do all the things that you do for Christ are going to have a profound impact. On what you have and what you do for all eternity now in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 the Apostle Paul says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ the Bema so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body whether good or bad Now, all my life, I saw that passage and I would go, okay, I'm going to stand before Jesus, the judgment seat, and he is going to talk to me about all the good things that I've done, but also all the bad or sinful things that I've done. And I thought the judgment seat of Christ was going to be a time when I would have to give an account for my sin. But I've got great news for you. That is not what this passage is teaching. There are several words in the New Testament, the original language the New Testament was written in, that um, can be translated bad. A couple of them mean evil, morally bad, something that's sinful or wicked, or it's iniquity, it's, it's evil. But the word that is used here is a different word. The primary meaning of the word that is translated bad in this passage is something that doesn't mean morally evil, it means Worthless. It would be like if we said, well, boy, that piece of fruit that I bought is bad. What do we mean by that? We don't mean it's morally evil. We don't mean that it's sinful. We mean that it's no good. It has no value. It's worthless, and we don't want it, and you get rid of it. And that is what is being taught here, that believers are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is going to happen after uh, the rapture of the church, Brother Tommy just told us about. And we're going to stand before Jesus at the beam of judgment. And what's going to be judged there are not our sins, but what will be judged are the works that we have done for Christ or the works that we have done in our lives in this body since we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. And what will be evaluated are those works that we have done that are of value to the Lord. And the Bible says that those things that we have done that are of value to then we will be rewarded for those things and those things that we have done that are worthless, that are of no genuine eternal value, will be burned up. We'll look at that passage in just a few minutes. But they'll be burned up and will be lost. But that we will be rewarded for those things that are of value to the Lord. Now, why is it that when we are standing before the judgment seat of Christ, that somehow we don't have to give an account of our sin. Why is that? It, it does, is God just going to overlook it? Are we just getting a, a pass? No. The passage that uh, I spoke on last Sunday at our church is found in Colossians chapter 2. And here this, the scripture says that there was another judgment that took place one day that was a judgment that was done as a substitute for our judgment. It was when the Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Savior, was hanging on the cross. And the Bible says that having canceled the charge of the legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, Jesus has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Now, you know that the cross was like the... Uh, means of, it was like the electric chair of the Roman Empire. It was the means of public execution. And so when a criminal or when a person was crucified, they would nail to the cross the charges for which that criminal was dying so that all who would walk by and see this person having been executed, they would know the crimes for which that person was dying. When our Lord Jesus was nailed to the cross, Pilate had the sign, this is the king of the Jews. But the Bible says that's not really the crimes for which he was dying. The crimes for which he was dying, it says in Colossians 2.14, was that God nailed to the cross the record book of your sin. God nailed to the cross the record of your indebtedness, your sin debt to God. He nailed it to the cross. And while Jesus was hanging on that cross, God began to treat Jesus like he would have treated you had you stood before God in judgment for your sin. That is why Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because at that moment, he was answering for my sin. And so my sins, your sins, were judged upon the cross. And because of the blood that Jesus Christ shed for your sins, because of the death that he died in your place, the Bible says that the record book of your sin was taken away, removed, canceled. There is no more record of your sin if you're a child of Jesus Christ. Is that not good news? Isn't that great news? And in fact, if you stood before God and God then required for your sin to be judged again, he would be unjust. And so Jesus has totally taken care of your sin. And that is why if you're here today or you're listening and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, we urge you today to do that because if you will commit your life to Jesus, then your sin will be completely, totally forever removed and taken away. And because of that, when the Lord Jesus comes for his bride, the first thing he's going to do is not beat up his bride at the judgment. The first thing he's going to do is reward his bride. The Bible tells us there is the promise of reward. There's the hope of reward. Now, I find that believers don't really talk about that a lot. I'm really amazed, quite frankly, when, when I talk to believers about uh, the rewards, the reactions that I get. I cannot tell you how many times I will, I will see someone do something, maybe that's, that's sweet or thoughtful or kind for someone, and I will say something like, well, the Lord is going to reward you for that. And, I, and people will go, oh, no, 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 I'm not doing it for the reward. I, I, I don't want any reward, and it's like they turn a double back flip to, to get away. I'm not not for rewards. Well, why is that? I think it's a misunderstanding of something that that they think the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach. They think that if they that the Lord promises us over and over again in His Word that we're going to be rewarded for those things that we've done, that we've done, but. So many believers think that if they are motivated by the reward, they will lose the reward. They think God promised rewards so we would be motivated to serve Him, but if by chance we are motivated by those rewards, we will lose it. Now, where do they get that? Well, I think it's like Matthew chapter 6. Look on the screen. Jesus taught, be careful Not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your giving may be done in secret then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who has seen what is done in secret will reward you. And so many people think that if somehow they they do this work for the reward they think somehow they lose the reward but what jesus was teaching is he says don't do it for the praise of men but in fact you are supposed to do it for the praise of jesus Amen. we are supposed to be motivated that when we stand before the lord one day that we would hear our wonderful savior say well done thou good and faithful servant. That would have to be the most beautiful thing you could ever hear in your entire eternity. For Jesus Christ to look at your life and to sum up your life and having examined it thoroughly, to look at you and say, good job, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord prepared for you before the foundations of the world. What a great day that will be! Some people do not; um, they don't think about rewards much because they're not really motivated all that much by rewards. Because they they frankly think, as many believers do, that rewards are temporary. I was taught that one day I would die, or the Lord would come. I would stand before the Lord the judgment seat of Christ, when it was all over with, I might get some rewards. And if I got a crown, then all of a sudden, as it's revealed in Revelation chapter 4, that at this first worship service in heaven, that I would take my crown off, I would cast it at the feet of Jesus, and everybody else would do that then, and that, you know, then our crowns are gone. And then from then on, that we're all the same for all eternity. And that somehow. at best, the rewards were temporary and therefore not really all that motivated. I mean, at that moment, I'm sure it'd be a great thing, but then eternity is a long time. I'm sure we'll get over it. A lot of people think that. And I think that's a misunderstanding. The Bible doesn't teach that. Revelation chapter four, it says in verse nine that whenever... Whenever, that is key, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they lay their crowns before the throne and they say you are worthy our Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Now, many people think, well, see there, we, we take our crowns off, and we throw them at the feet of Jesus, and that's it. Well, no, number one, don't, don't base your whole theology of rewards on this, because we're not totally sure who these 24 elders are. Now, everybody's got an opinion about it, but the last I saw, there was like 13 different major opinions by scholars on who these elders are. But assume for a moment that they do represent the church, and that they represent the saints who are in Christ, and that they are there ruling and reigning around the throne on, the, on, the, uh, on their thrones, as God promises us one day, and assume that these crowns represent our rewards. It does not say that once and for all they take them off and throw them, and then it's gone. It says the opposite. It says, whenever. Now, do you think whenever the living creatures give praise to God? The saints then take their crowns and throw them before the the Lord. Do you think that happens one time in eternity? Do you think there's only one time the living creatures are going to somehow break out and worship before God? No, this happens all the time. This is going to be happening all throughout eternity. So what seems to happen is if these elders do represent you, then you'll take your crown off as to give glory to Jesus. Your crown, your reward is something you will be able to to honor him with and glorify him with throughout eternity. Do you think it won't matter if if you have no rewards with which to say to him, I glorified you on earth? I thought you were worthy of living a life for you now when I was on earth here are the the rewards you've given me for that which I believe was just my reasonable service you rewarded me with this but I now place it at your feet and say Lord you are the one who deserves the honor and the glory and the praise not me and you'll have these rewards with which this crown with which you will be able to do that over and over and over again throughout eternity So some people don't, they don't think about rewards because they, they think they're not supposed to, which is wrong. They think it's temporary, which I think is wrong. In fact, the Bible tells us in first Corinthians chapter nine, it says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. So run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul is saying, be motivated in your life to get the prize. You're supposed to be motivated by the promise of rewards." So run in such a way as to get the prize. For everyone who competes in the games, goes into strict training, they do it to get a crown that's temporary, that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last how long? Forever. Forever. 1 Peter chapter 5. And when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So there's misunderstanding about rewards. I've also heard other people say, well, you know, I, I don't really care about rewards. Doesn't really matter. I just want to make it to heaven. And if I just get through the pearly gates, they slam the gates behind me, I'll go, Phew, I made it. And they think they'll be totally cool with that. They think that heaven's going to be so wonderful, and it is, that it really won't matter to them for all eternity whether they have any rewards. Because they kind of reason that we're, you know, we're all going to sort of be the same up there anyway. Not going to be any distinctions between believers. So it doesn't really matter. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, in Christ, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day, the judgment seat, will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. But yet, will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. But the Bible says at that moment, at the judgment seat, when your life's work for Christ is evaluated, and what you've done for Christ is done, is evaluated by Christ and judged of whether it was valuable to Him or whether you spent your life doing those things that were not worth what Christ wanted you to live for, then the Bible says your life's work could be lost. You think it won't matter to you at that moment? Do you think that when somebody, a child, a genuine child of God, the only ones who will be standing there are genuine believers, do you think that there is a genuine believer who could truly stand. And when their name is called and their moment to stand face to face and look into the face of their Savior and to see the nail prints in his hands and his feet, and to see and recognize what he has done. He sacrificed everything. He left all this glory, and he came and became a man to redeem me. He gave everything for me. And at that moment, do you think you're not going to care when you say, well, I took your salvation. I was glad to have it. I'm glad to be here, but I didn't think you were worth living for. I didn't think it was worth sacrificing for you. I think it's going to be a terrible thing to stand there having wasted a life. Some people are not motivated by rewards because they they sort of um, have this view that heaven's going to be socialist. <laughs> they They think that there's going to be some people over here who, man, they really so, they were sold out to Jesus Christ. They lived their life for God. They they really made it count. And then there's going to be others over here who were half-hearted in their devotion to Christ. But we'll get there. And after the casting of the crowns, it will happen once and for all. Then we're all just the same, and there's no distinctions in heaven for all eternity. And they reason this on the fact that they think, well, if I saw somebody who had more rewards than me, I'd be jealous. And there's not going to be any jealousy in heaven, so therefore there can't be any distinctions in heaven. Now that's flawed human logic, because it's not what the Bible teaches. Now, it is correct there will be no jealousy in heaven, but it's not because there's no distinction between believers and rewards, but it's because we will all be motivated by perfect love at that point. It'd be like one of my children having uh, having done something and becoming very successful and and doing something that, that far exceeded me in my life. I would be happy for them, not jealous of them, because I love them. We will be we will love our brothers and sisters, and when we see someone who did devote their life to Christ, others who gave their lives to Christ, we will admire them. We will we will praise them. We will we will thank them for their service and we will be encouraged and we will love them and we will not be jealous. But believe me, there will be a distinction in heaven because what you do now in this life you have has a profound impact on what you have and what you will do for all eternity. The Bible tells us that there are numbers of distinctions and numbers of different kinds of rewards. And I'm, I'm, I don't even pretend to say that I understand all of it. But I know enough to know that it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. And that what we do now, it really matters. There's some of you here, you've been living for the Lord for years and years and years. And maybe you're tired. And maybe you're beginning to wonder, has it really mattered all that much? And the Lord wants you to know today, oh, it matters. And I will not forget one thing you have done for me. And on that great day, it'll be worth it. It matters. What you do now with your life Will have a profound impact on your eternity and how you live in eternity. For example, the Bible teaches that there are at least five different crowns that will be handed out by the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already read of one in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize, so run to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. This is called the incorruptible crown, or it's called, some people call it, the victor's crown. This is a crown that evidently you will have, the person will have, who has run the race that Christ has set before them, as Hebrews chapter 12 talks about. In other words, this is a person who said, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. I want to live my life for you. What do you want for my life? Lord, I lay, I deny myself, and I want to follow you with my life. And this person who runs this race with, by faith, and they run this race, this God's will for their life, then the Bible says that you will be given the victor's crown. You'll be given the incorruptible crown that will last forever.
0: Wow. Now folks, that's what I call preaching. Pastor Meredith continued in his presentation to give an overview of all the different types of rewards that are promised by the Scriptures. And in a moment, our announcer will tell you how you can get a copy of his full presentation, plus the presentations of the other five speakers at our conference. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing that you'll be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb & Lion Ministries, saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Folks, I am delighted to announce that the video album of our 2017 Bible Conference is now available for distribution. The theme of the conference was, Living with Hope in the End Times. The album contains three DVD discs, and they in turn contain all six of the presentations that were made at the conference, most of which ran 50 minutes in length. Dr. Ed Heinson, the dean of Liberty University's School of Religion, kicked off the conference by presenting an overview entitled, The Believer's Exciting Future. He was followed by Dr. Tommy Ice, the director of the Pre-Trib Research Center, who spoke on the promise of the rapture. Next was Pastor Glenn Meredith of the Brookhaven Church in McKinney, Texas, who presented an inspiring sermon about the promise of rewards. Evangelist Don Perkins, the founder and spokesman for According to Prophecy Ministries in San Diego, California, spoke on the promises of the millennium. Dr. Andy Woods, a Houston area pastor and the president of the Schaefer Theological Seminary, presented a fascinating study of the promises of the eternal state. The last presentation on the album was one that I made regarding the question, Is There Any Hope for America? It can be yours for a gift of $25 or more, including the cost of shipping. To order a copy, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time or order online at lamlion.com.